Hi everyone, welcome to New Hope Church. We're so glad that you're here with us. My name is Ian Buckley and I'm the founding pastor of New Hope Community Church. This week, I want to talk to you about blessing. Actually, I want to talk about a double blessing. And today we're going to look at one account out of the many in the Bible about blessing. In fact, in the Bible, the Hebrew word for blessing is found in the Old Testament alone about 330 times. Do you know that the Bible is a book of blessing? That God wants to bless you and he wants to bless me and he wants us to be a blessing to others. Now, if we forget that, we tend to lose our way and we easily get caught up in the negativity and the self-serving nature of culture. So today, I want you to know that God loves you and that he wants to bless your life. It's his desire that when we get blessed, though, that we bless others with the blessing with which we ourselves have been blessed. And today, we're going to look at one man who actually asked to be blessed, and it was granted to him. Last week, as you recall, Elisha was that man, and he was called to follow Elijah. Now, Elisha accepted the call. Firstly, he accepted it immediately. As soon as that mantle was thrown around his shoulders and placed on him, the scripture says he ran after Elijah. So he he responded immediately. Secondly, he responded thoughtfully. He got permission from Elijah to go back home and let his parents know what was going on. Thirdly, we saw last week that Elijah reacted decisively. There's no turning back. He slaughtered one of the yoke of oxen that was in the field with him, and he used the yoke as firewood, and then he destroyed part of his past. He wanted everyone to know, friends, there is no turning back, and he told them so when he threw the barbecue for them. And then he burned his past so that he could enjoy the future. He wouldn't be continually looking back over his shoulder. Fourthly, we saw that Elijah reacted humbly. The Bible says that he arose and then he followed Elijah. Actually, I looked into that a bit and I realized that it was for the next 10 years that Elijah and Elisha walked together, where he was a humble servant to Elijah. Now, what we learn about this blessing is that he's about to receive is that it wasn't just something that happened out of nowhere. The blessing that he was about to receive was a part of what was going on in Elisha's life. So this blessing was firstly part of the relationship behind the double blessing. It wasn't out there as a random deal. And a relationship of loyalty is what we're talking about. Elisha had a relationship of loyalty. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 19.21, So Elisha arose and followed Elijah and served him. So from the time that Elisha became a servant until Elisha went to heaven, a full decade had passed. 2 Kings 2.1 Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah and Elisha are about to take their last journey together. You imagine that. These guys have been hanging out for the last 10 years. And it's a transitional walk. It's actually a walk that visits four cities. 
Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and the Jordan River. 2 Kings 2.2 And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So three times, I want you to notice, in a short period, Elijah is trying to shake him off and suggest Elisha stay behind, which seems a bit strange, right? Verse 2, verse 4, and verse 6. Here's how Elisha, though, responds typically each time. 2 Kings 2.2, 2, verse 4 also, and 6. As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Here, what's going on is Elijah was still testing Elisha's steadfast resolve and commitment. And that's something I find the Lord does to me, and maybe he does that to you. And he was doing this to see if this prophet in training had the grit, the determination, and the resolve to carry the torch as the prophet to the next generation. And for us, as priests to our God, and also to this generation. On each occasion, Elisha refused to be separated from his mentor, so that it was beyond any question that he proved his commitment to God's call. He was definitely loyal to Elijah. Loyalty today, friends, is a lost value. Loyalty has given way to expediency. Um, In other words, what's best or easiest for me? But Elisha was a loyal follow of Elijah. We also can see in this relationship the love of Elisha. The love of Elisha. 2 Kings 2.3, next verse. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So what's going on here is some of the prophets of the Lord living at Bethel also knew of Elijah's departure and told Elisha. Elisha's response was pretty much, don't speak of this to me. What that really is trying to get at is, don't add to my existing sorrow. Because this prospect, it's not crash hot and quit reminding me of it. Now here's a picture. Two guys knew each other last hours before the day is over Elijah is going to be taken from Elisha and Elisha is going to be left alone so that wasn't a particularly happy thought for Elisha they're at the end of the walk now and there's a welcoming committee waiting for them point two I want to look at the ritual before the double blessing the ritual before the double blessing Let's pick that up from 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. 
Now, this here, friends, what we're about to watch is one of the most, in fact, the most, in my view, epic transitions in the Bible. There are many transitions. We've got Moses and Joshua, that transition there. There's a transition between David and Solomon. And another obvious one will be between uh, Paul and Timothy. And one, of course, between John the Baptist and Jesus. One is ending his ministry and the other one is beginning his ministry. And the ceremony is noteworthy and interesting. The Bible says that they walked across the Jordan by a miracle reminiscent of when Moses was crossing the Red Sea and the Jordan River with the Israelites. Now this is one of many similarities, if you look at it, between the ministries of Moses on the one hand, on the other hand of Elijah. Now we move on to the request that produced the double blessing. As they get to the other side of the Jordan, Elijah turns to his protege in verse 9 and says this, When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, What shall I do for you? Before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. So, what Elisha is asking for here, he wanted a spiritual, let me be clear, a spiritual rather than a material blessing. Elijah's question to his own son in the faith was a bit like the question that God asked Solomon before Solomon was to begin his ministry. In 1 Kings 3 5, the Bible says at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. Now, what would you do if God asked you if you could have anything you want? And a bit of research on this. And Solomon's about 22 years old when that decision and that opportunity came his way. Oh boy, what would you have done at 22 years old? And God said that to you. What would I have done? Interestingly, though, it's remarkable what Solomon and Elisha asked for. Solomon didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for a long life. He didn't ask for riches. But he asked for a hearing heart. So they could discern between good and evil. And judge righteously between the people of Israel. And because Solomon did not ask for a long life, or for riches, or for himself, or power over his enemies, which really was reference power for you, the Bible says that God granted to Solomon his request. And God's response to Solomon's worth remembering. Here it is from 1 Kings chapter 3. Behold, I now do according to your word. And behold, I have given you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. So, here we see Solomon asking for the right things. He wasn't asking for trinkets and all the stuff that he's not going to take with him or have any effect in eternity. But God blessed him with wisdom. Actually, 
he wrote the book of wisdom, which is Proverbs. That's the work of Solomon. And God was so impressed with his request that he gave him everything he asked for and everything he didn't ask for. And he became a great king up until, oh boy, this hurts, the last chapter of his life. What Solomon asked for is very similar to what Elisha asked for. When he was asked, what do you want? His response was, please, let me have a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, we have some time to think about that. Here's a thought. Every leader needs to be clear in his priorities. And Elisha had already figured out the answer. He wanted a double portion of the spirit of his master because he'd already seen what his master had been able to do with that. This was not a request for twice as much of the Holy Spirit or for a ministry twice as great as that of Elijah, but for a greater degree of inner spirit that motivated that great prophet. When he was asked, what do you want? His response was, he asked for a double blessing in 2 Kings 2.9. Here the Bible says, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. At first blush, that seemed a little presumptuous, right? But it wasn't. It was actually a request for the right of the progenitor. And that you've read about in the Old Testament law. And that talked about the firstborn had the right of a double portion of the inheritance. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 17. He's basically saying, hey, Elijah, don't forget, out of all these schools of the prophets, these kind of like seminaries, I'm your firstborn prophetic son. And I want to have a double portion of your attitude and your spirit to empower me to accomplish the will of God that he's called me to. What was that? It was a spirit of faith. It will be a spirit of obedience. It will be a spirit of courage. And this request was not, not, not about pride. It was about necessity. Why? Because he needed that to help restore Israel in a time of the wicked rulers like Ahab and, and Baal worship. And when you study the life of Elisha, you will realize that he got exactly what he asked for. His ministry, like I mentioned last week, was almost twice as long as Elijah's, and he performed twice as many miracles as his mentor. In other words, Elisha got what he asked for. Which brings us to the common question. Some people wonder, why are my prayers not answered? Well, Jesus had something to say about that through James. And maybe it's you asking for the wrong things. Perhaps the request is the issue. Like James highlights in James 4.3. When you ask, you do not receive. Because, here's the reason, you ask with wrong motives. What are those? That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Friends, Elisha was not interested merely in, Elisha, in Elijah's staff or his parchments or even his mantle. When it came time to be written into Elijah's will, what Elisha wanted was a tremendous spiritual inheritance that his life would count beyond this life and have an effect in this life. 
His main goal was not to be better or more powerful than Elijah, but to accomplish much more for God. And that's a good desire. He wanted to have the living power of the Holy Spirit working in his life and twice the impact for God. What a great desire. Now, Elisha had heard of and witnessed the power that God had put in Elijah. He'd heard about the calling down of the fire upon the sacrifices and the terminating of all the prophets of Baal. He'd heard about when it rained and it didn't rain and it rained again. And he'd heard of all of that and he looked at himself and he thought, whoa, for me to get after these guys, he's going to need some special supernatural power. And he knew that the power of Elijah was God's power. It, didn't, it wasn't Elijah's to own. It was Elijah was a conduit through which God worked. And here's the thing that you learn. The prophet is leaving, about to leave town, but the God of the prophet is staying. He's going to work now in the life of Elisha because of his request. Let's read the next part of the verse and see. And see if you also don't find this a little strange. The evidence we're going to see now that would confirm the double blessing. We're going to take a look at the evidence that would confirm the double blessing. 2 Kings 2, 10 through 12. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. Elisha's request was not Elijah's to give. So for that reason, it was a difficult thing. It was God's to give. Elijah didn't know at that point if God would grant Elisha's request. But what had been revealed to him is that it would be granted if Elisha actually saw Elijah being taken from him. Now, please notice here, this was not a condition for Elisha to receive the double portion. But it was an evidence that he would. If he saw it, it would happen. If he didn't, it wouldn't. Now, I'm sure that Elisha, from that moment on, the moment he heard that, he never locked up, he didn't lock down, he didn't lock sideways, he didn't even sneeze because his eyes would be closed. He was not going to take his eyes off that prophet because he needed the blessing to do the work that God had called him to. Now, as Elijah and Elisha walked and talked, their journey was suddenly interrupted and a fiery chariot pulled by fiery horses, appeared, and it separated the two prophets. The fiery horses and the chariots were symbols of God's power in battle. And it was this power that Elijah had demonstrated, and now Elisha, in his wisdom, had valued so highly that he would need to have it to fulfill his battle. So Elijah was taken up into heaven by a fiery whirlwind. 
And it was a spectacular conclusion to a, an outstandingly spectacular life. And I'm sure that as Elisha absorbed what had just happened, it would have felt surreal. So for the last 10 years, remember, Elijah and Elisha have been everywhere with each other. Not out of each other's sight. And now Elijah is gone. And I can almost sense the sense of woe and loneliness of the moment as Elisha stands there all alone. Next thing we see Elisha do is he tears his clothes, which is one of the common expressions of grief upon the death of a loved one. But notice also the reaction that validated the double blessing. The reaction that validated the double blessing. Verse 13. Elisha took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. So here's the picture. Elijah's gone. And as he leaves, the mantle that Elijah had, it falls down to the ground and he picks it up. Elisha takes that mantle and he's just been with him when he struck with the water and parted it. Now he's asked for twice a blessing. And he's probably wondering, did I get it or didn't I get it? So he takes the mantle and he strikes that river Jordan. And the exact same thing that Elijah had done and the rivers parted happened now when Elisha struck the rivers of Jordan and it parted. That was an affirmation that the power from Elijah had been transferred and passed on to now to Elisha. And that was a very powerful moment because all the sons of the prophets had seen it. And they knew exactly what that meant. Elisha now was standing in the place of Elijah with the power of Elijah. And the stage was now set, as we're going to see, to confront the evil in that world. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to see how the power of God flowed through this prophet and how God used him mightily. But as we close today, here are three practical steps that we can take away from this account for our lives. Firstly, is God wants you to seek his blessing. Do you know that God wants you to ask him to bless you? Solomon asked God to bless him with wisdom. Elisha asked God's servant Elijah to bless him with a double portion of his spirit. Now some wonder, is it all right for me to ask God to bless me? Well, actually, on one occasion, it's recorded for us in the book of Genesis that Jacob was returning to his homeland and he's trying to sort out some family dramas and get things right with his brother Esau. And he had a lot of fixing up to do because he cheated his brother out of his family's blessing. And on the way home, he had sent the family on the head across the, uh, the brook Jabok and he was alone by himself. Let's pick this up, Genesis 32. Then Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw 
that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless, here it is, you bless me. But further down, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So here's another example of Jacob valuing blessing above all else, the blessing of God. And he wanted God to bless him so much that he wasn't just willing to ask for it. He was willing, here's the deal, to fight for it. And with all of his faults, Jacob accurately estimated the value of God's blessing. He wasn't going to let go until God had blessed him. So it's all right for us to ask for God to bless us. That's okay. And you should know that because a lot of people don't know that it's all right to ask God to bless you. Which brings me to the second thing I want you to note. And that is this. Every time God blesses you, it is a potential double blessing. Every time God blesses you, it's a potential double blessing. Now, when God blessed Elisha through Elijah, that was blessing number one. But what did Elisha do with the blessing he received? Well, first, he took the blessing that he got from God and Elisha blessed others. He was blessed to be a blessing. It was a double blessing. Now, here's some words from Jesus on this exact point. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Friends, this is a forgotten beatitude. It's not recorded actually in Matthew, Mark, or John, only in Luke. To go beyond blessing to greater blessing, you have to learn how to take the blessing that God's put in your hand and use it for others. First, there's a blessing of receiving, which is a very me-like thing. I like to receive, and so do you too. And God, that's okay. God created us to be recipients. God so loved the world that he gave. That's okay, and we're the recipients. Here's the source, we're the recipients. Our endless provider gives you and I universal blessings, Rain, sun, daily blessings and spiritual blessings. But there's one blessing that is greater than receiving. It's the blessing of giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So listen carefully. When we receive, we're acting like ourselves. But when we give, we're acting like God. Receiving is me-like and giving is God-like. And God wants you and I to be more like him and to be blessed. Now, you and I have to receive it first, of course, before you can give it. But once you get it, God did not make you or I retainers. He made us to be conduits so that we are channels of blessing to other people. So the first blessing is when we get it. And the second blessing is when we give it. The third thing I want you to take away from this message this morning is that God's blessing comes with responsibility. God's blessing comes with responsibility. 
The Bible says to everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. In fact, it says this here in Luke 12. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Now, friends, these and the previous verse, which I just read out, these are red letter words of Jesus, where he personally links blessing and responsibility. This is the principle of life for everyone. To whom much is given, much is required. Now watch what happens when God blesses someone. When God blessed Elisha, his life changed dramatically. From the simple life of a farmer, chasing bulls around paddocks and plowing the field, he became a prophet of the Lord God of Israel. Now as the scope and responsibility of this man's life increased, because of the blessing of the Lord in his life, his life, friends, I want you to notice, did not get easier. It got complicated, but it also got better. He'd been blessed with a blessing, but there was tremendous responsibility that went along with the blessing. Here the Bible tells us that God blesses those who are willing to break a sweat for what they believe in. That is the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You can't just pray like it depends 100% on God. You also have to work like it depends upon you. Yes. The blessings of God don't just fall into your lap. And a good striking example that I want you to consider this morning is God clearly promised and gave Joshua and the Israelites the promised land. But that did not mean that when you went in there, the giants just hoisted the white flag to the top. Not at all. Joshua didn't just fight, by the way, the battle of Jericho. He actually fought 13 battles and he had to defeat 31 kings. Think about the All Blacks taking on 31 different teams. That required some sweat and effort. And those kings, notice, friend, did not surrender without a fight. But Joshua overcame them by the power of God and in the will of God. Here's something I would challenge you to investigate. Very rarely have I seen in Scripture the blessings of God served up on a silver platter. Lay down, Messiah. You and I have to work for them and sometimes fight for them. And when God brings us the blessings, he does not bring them to make our life easier and simpler. It actually makes it often more harder and more complicated. Consider Paul, and by the way, and blessed, and blessed. So how many of you know what it is to be have the sense of a good tired? I remember years ago when I used to work on a farm and get up at the crack of dawn and milk cows and then hay make. It's a good type of tired when you hit the hay that night. You're exhausted, but you're happy that you've done a good job. And that's the kind of tired that God gives us when we follow his life in his blessing. So I want to end this message by asking you a question. Have you ever asked God to bless your life? If you haven't, before you do, and if you have, remember there are consequences. 
If God does bless you, you will never be the same. And he'll never bless you, though, so that you can hoard and hoard the blessing on yourself. See, God is not in the business of getting boats and houses and monies and stocks and bonds and portfolios and power. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. Because remember, friends, man's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. huh? Because they'll be going. So if you want to be a blessing to others, you've got to have the right motives to ask God to bless you. Maybe you're a business person. And you should say then, if that's you, Lord, bless my business so that I can use my business to bring blessings to many other people. I know godly people who are doing that exact thing and God is blessing them abundantly and they become a channel of blessing for the resources that are needed to get the gospel out to the world, especially those where they don't know of the gospel and the good news of why Jesus came. Now, I don't know what God has equipped you to do, but if you do want his blessing, here's the key. Ask yourself, how am I going to take this blessing of God and turn it into blessing for other people? Don't ask God to bless you unless you're prepared to use that blessing to bless the lives of other people. So when God blesses you and me, we don't hoard it for ourselves. That's what that means because God wants us to use what is put in their hands to impact people in places most of us will never even visit. People where they need the gospel. So let's summarize that. God blesses us to be a blessing to other people. So let's be bold enough to ask God to bless us so that we in turn can bless others with the blessings which we ourselves have been blessed. And then we'll live our lives to the glory of his name. And that's my prayer for all of us today. Let's pray. Father, we know that you have given us the greatest blessing we could ever ask for, and that is your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to be our Saviour. We're only here today, singing your praises, enjoying you, listening to your words from your Holy Scripture, because we've been born into your family. Thank you for the inexhaustible blessing of Jesus Christ. And Father, for those who are listening today who may not know your Son Jesus yet in a personal way, we pray, God, that you will fill them with your spirit of conviction and desire to know you through Jesus. Now, if it happens that you're listening to this message wherever you are and you've never trusted Christ, will you follow me in a prayer that verbalizes what's in your heart like this? Would you say, Lord God, I need you. I need you to bless my life, and I want you to bless my life. First of all, with the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to forgive my sin. I ask you, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Come and live in my heart, and bless me with your presence, and make me a blessing to everyone that I know, to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, over the last few weeks, we've talked about a special offering for the persecuted church that we're going to be taking today through the Open Doors Ministry. They've been around about 60 years, a great trusted partner. 
So today, my challenge for you is will you join me and Kimberly to be a blessing to those less fortunate by giving one day's wage? What's that for? To strengthen the church and rebuild the lives in those persecuted countries where husbands have been taken out and to bring the hope of Jesus to the body of Christ. Friends, you can make a difference here from New Zealand in Central Asia and Central Africa. It's illegal to share the gospel with anyone under the age of 16. And many children that we know of, and you can find out about them on the on the Open Doors website, living impoverished, broken lives filled with all sorts of trauma and drama. And they are hungry for the word of God and the hope of Jesus. Our gifts will go towards children's Bibles and children's ministers and pastors and leaders who are leading these persecuted people. When you give, please, would you include the word persecuted somewhere in the details so that we can allocate it to the correct fund. We want to now just finish up by praying for our Christian brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have given us. You have blessed us to be a blessing. And Lord, we pray for these people and these uh, Christian brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. We pray that your eternal kingdom will continue to advance despite and in spite of the pressure and persecution. Father, we pray that you'd move powerfully. That our Christian brothers and sisters, as they sacrifice everything to stand for Jesus, that, Lord, their witness may burn brightly like we saw last week on No Turning Back video. Lord, we also pray that we may be inspired by their example to serve you faithfully wherever they are. Help us serve you faithfully and be faithful stewards of what you've given us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God bless. May God's word find a rich and fruitful place in your heart.